0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Dementia Dialogue. My name is Lisa Loiselle, and I will be hosting a two-part series about community engagement and people with lived experience of dementia. In this episode, I speak with Lynn Jackson and Alison Finney. Lynn Jackson is a registered nurse. She grew up in Vancouver, but now lives in Sydney, British Columbia. 22 years ago, she was diagnosed with frontal temporal dementia, and since then, she's been engaged in advocacy work with people living with early-stage dementia. Alison Finney is also a registered nurse. She's from New Brunswick and now lives in British Columbia. She's been doing research with people living with dementia for close to 30 years. She is the co-lead of the Building Capacity Project that we will be talking about today with her and with Lynn. In a previous episode, I spoke with Allison briefly about the Building Capacity Project. During this episode, we revisit this project in more detail and speak with Lynn Jackson, who is a member of the Building Capacity Project. Both Allison and Lynn have been working on this project together in British Columbia. Let's begin. Lynn, can you
1: tell me about your role in the Building Capacity Project? I was uh, one of the people involved with my cohorts diagnosed with dementia and we um, made the flipping stigma um, toolkit. Having that we, in conjunction with that, I go with um, various members of the building capacity team to uh, different um, locations and talk to, for example, the other day we were in Vancouver talking to the librarians or we were talking to a care center for people people caring for people in a daycare center, Uh, just finding out what what they know and and then being able to pass on information and and them really having a discussion about um, how they can be more inclusive with the people that have dementia. I've come across some very lovely people that um, are very compassionate and Wanting to know more about how to deal with people with early stage dementia, and really, you know, want to get them involved in their, you know, what they're doing and their projects that they have, and whether it be in a library or helping them in a library or helping them in a care center or, or other facilities. So I think, of course, there's are surprised that here I I am walking and talking with a diagnosis of dementia, but um, that.
2: Is a whole different story, too. I I would say it's so nice to hear you talk about your experiences in those meetings, Lynn. As, As a researcher on the team, I see those kind of connections have been game changers in this project. So just to give you a sense of where we've come from with this work, we had a beautiful plan for what it was going to look like. And we had an amazing, exciting launch event. People from around Vancouver, people came from Thunder Bay to Vancouver. We had so many people that were excited to be doing something more for people with dementia. They were passionate about it. They saw the so-called problem that there are many people in our communities who are isolated, who have something to give, and they wanted to know how to do it. This was February, the third week of February in 2020. So you know what happened. And so things have progressed slowly. They have progressed. And it has been so inspiring to see these different groups continue to stay connected. Maybe not as many as we might have hoped or that we might have expected when we saw the amazing response in February 2020. But we had some people who have stuck it out. They've had creative ideas, and they've made small changes, new ideas, new programs, and they've been successful, and they are finding ways to keep doing it. The gap that we have had is that it has mostly been people planning for and doing for people with dementia, and that people with dementia have not been a part of the conversation, they come to those programs and enjoy themselves, and we've seen that kind of connection grow over time, slowly. but I think surely. But I think what has changed things is people like Lynn and the other members of the action group who have been thinking long and hard about what messages need to be conveyed so that people will finally kind of get it, take a breath and kind of dive in and really believe that they can work with people with dementia. I don't know if you have anything to add there, Lynn, but I feel like towards the end of this project, this engagement has been happening toward the end. And I think we're turning a corner and an important one. Yeah, I I think so too. And I think
1: that um, as for... uh, how to get people with dementia more engaged. I think that we have to realize that, you know, not everybody is cut out for public speaking or into that sort of thing. And but there are people, and there are people that just need a little encouragement. And, you know, the other day I was talking with the Alzheimer Society and I suggested that, you know, they were asking the same thing. How do we get people more engaged? And I think they need like a buddy system, like somebody in the society just sort of taking them under their wing and and that's because that's what happened to me. And that's, you know, w- when I first started to um, speak at different functions, it was through the Alzheimer's Society. A person there took me under her wing and got me, um, helped me write speeches, help, got me, uh, found, found somebody else to help me write speeches. And uh, and from there, you know, I, I developed more self-assurance and and the ability to you know once you do it and do it a little bit more, then it was more comfortable doing it. you know it it but it does all relate back to the stigma with dementia because you know, I remember those first times going out talking and and coming home and thinking, "Oh, do I really have this diagnosis? You know, I've told everybody and Oh my goodness And you know it, it really just shook me to the core for many years each time I spoke until I really got used to that I really do have this diagnosis mm-hmm. and, and accepted it um, so that that's part of it. you mm-hmm. know people you know with the stigma, we just have to get people thinking of it as any other di- disease like diabetes or as they have a broken bone, you know we have to be able to discuss it openly.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
1: our. Aim and with the Flipping Stigma Toolkit, you'll find that um, there are people from the um, action group who are speaking in little vignettes in videos. And uh, we've had such great feedback that people, the public can see that there are people talking about their dementia and um, and functioning in everyday life.
0: So Lynn, when you first started, speaking as an advocate, what drew you to doing that? I know you had a a mentor, because when you read, you know, go on the Alzheimer's Society website, they say that you can slow down the the progression of dementia by, you know, by having an active social life and, and doing activities that challenge your mind. But then on the other hand, you hear about people who are advocates that are doing it because they want to help other people. So
1: what what was your motivation that got you started in this? Well, to to to, to be honest, um I, I had always always in my life been a social butterfly, but my disease had caused me to become very introverted. And I didn't want to go out, I didn't want to be in crowds, I didn't want to party, I didn't want to see people or travel or I didn't want to talk to my friends, I didn't want to talk on the phone luckily i i had i'd been diagnosed in the states in a major teaching hospital there and i'd come back and been uh, gone through the ubc and the doctor there the neurologist had sent me to a doctor who was doing uh, he was a who geriat- is a geriatric psychiatrist with a degree in pharmacology who was doing some work with people with dementia with apathy and that's what i had apathy so with the medications that he gave me, I was able to be um, not so apathetic and want to do things. And then I realized, you know, that I'm not, I don't want to sit around in the house all day because I know that's not good for me. You know, my nursing background came into play there. I have to keep my brain active. I have to keep my body active. So I at that time, um, reached out on the internet to a group of people and, um, because my, there wasn't support groups in my area there. And I knew that a support group would probably be a good thing for me. So on the internet, we phoned, we formed our own support group. And, um, through that, I felt like I was keeping my brain active and, um, you know long story short through with that uh we were able to, our group was able to go to alzheimer disease international with a proposal to um say what we needed we needed support groups in our areas and here we are people with early stage to dementia um, trying their best to live but we you know we need help and and we weren't getting it so Alzheimer Disease International that year listened to us. They invited us to their annual conference, which that year was in Christchurch, New Zealand. We went, one of us gave a plenary spe- uh, session talk, and then the others of us, we gave workshops. And every year since then, Alzheimer Disease International has included people with dementia in their conferences. And from there it has branched out that other conferences have also. So. Yeah. You
0: truly beat down that pathway. You are, you know, one of one of the original um, you know, people who in my mind uh, and in the work that I've done that has really paved the way for a lot of other people
1: to yeah. do the same. Well, and and that, and that's how, you know, in Canada the the Murray Alzheimer research and education Project, they invited our our group of people to help to plan a meeting for people with early stage dementia here in Canada. So we from there a changing melody formed, and that's a one-day form for people with dementia. And since and then we made a toolkit so that other people can make have the same type of conference. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good experience.
0: Yeah,
2: it was. Hearing you say all this, Lynn. The the phrase that's coming to my mind is about safety and numbers. It's more than safety. But like when you commented earlier about the importance of having a buddy, that it wasn't just you alone. Yes, you've paved a path, but you had people with you. And I would say that's one thing that I think one thing we've really learned from this project, because perhaps I had in my mind that different organizations would find people in their neighborhood, individuals in their neighborhood and be able to connect with them. But I think there's something much more powerful about being able to bring a group of people with dementia together to work together in that way, because it can't all be on one person's shoulders, you know, the the token member of a board with dementia. It's not ever going to work for anyone, mm-hmm. but by bringing people together, and it's not just support—you know—that kind of psychoeducational support model, but about providing support to each other to do that kind of work in community. I might—I think what we've learned is that that's really powerful, and it isn't just the social butterflies that need that. I, I think it's a challenge that we share with many other groups, organizations, places. And I think some of those challenges, Lynn, your comments, you know, you've spoken to that, that uh, people themselves may not feel like they've got the initiative or they may not feel confident that they're able to do it. So, and it takes time to learn those skills and to be able to agree, yeah, I'm going to come to this new program or I'm going to volunteer at this new program. That takes time. There are always the very concrete challenges around transportation. How do people get to places? I think we could fill a book with with the challenges, the challenges on around diversity, and mm-hmm. really understanding that people people from different backgrounds, different experiences, understand dementia differently. You know how how can we be more diverse in this work? Is an ongoing subject of conversation. I think one thing that's been difficult, yeah, we can blame CoVID for a lot and and I think that's fair. It's w- way easier to get people to come together. you can solve the transportation issues if you can sit together in a room, eat food, and have fun. We've learned that definitely from the group in Thunder Bay. They've talked about this a lot, that the social connections, those emotional connections, sharing food together, is really important and helps people kind of gain the confidence and the motivation to do the hard work um, and to get out there and kind of advocate and and speak for other people. Can I just
1: add too that you know you know COVID really has set us back, and I found that with not being able to go to my in-person support groups during COVID was really um, not a good thing for. Uh, A lot of people, I heard through other people that, you know, people in other groups had deteriorated and whatever, because they weren't able to come to a group. They did, uh, the Alzheimer's Society did did start um, Zoom um, or online um, support groups, but I just didn't find it the same. And I... I I didn't continue because it just wasn't right, and you know there were a bunch of new people. And I I think the reason that with our um, action group that it worked so well because we knew each other before in person before COVID, and then we could work really well um, on Zoom together. But uh, to to get a, a new group together on Zoom,
2: I think is more difficult for people with dementia. Yeah, I think it's more difficult for everyone and your comments lynn remind me of of another another piece as well asking people to volunteer to give to give their time to something is hard right across the board one of the challenges that our that our main community partner the Westside seniors hub an ongoing challenge is finding volunteers dementia or not <laughs> Right. So I'm thinking one of the things we really need to pay attention to is what kind of oh, the language I will use is perhaps not the best. But I'm thinking education and training. What learning do people need to gain the confidence to play these kinds of roles in their in their community? And you know, Lynn, you were talking about, you know, the buddy. Um, that can kind of help you along, I, I might think that there are many people in their community that might be more willing to step up and volunteer if there were buddies, for example. That much of what we learn about what can allow people with dementia to be better engaged in community is totally transferable, because these are not problems in a way, they're not problems that are unique for people living with dementia or for, for, for this work around dementia inclusion. It really is about inclusion more broadly in our communities. For sure. And you know, when I first
1: started uh, giving talks around the Alzheimer Society had a volunteer who was a retired journalist. And he was excellent to help me write my speeches. So I suggested to the Alzheimer's Society the other day that maybe the journalism department at uh, UBC would have volunteer students that would want to help uh, people with dementia to um, yeah. write their talks and and help them. That's a great
0: idea. That's a, yeah, that's a wonderful idea. And that's, you know, you're partnering in the community. And to me, that's what it's all about. Um, we had. Uh, here in in the area that I live in, we started a group choir and we recruited some music students from the local high school and they were in pairs. They would pair up with a, potentially a, a husband and wife and one of the students. So they had the, you know the, their little group and they would support each other through, you know, all of the weeks of, of this, uh, this ongoing choir, it wasn't a program, it just continued and people would come and they would go. But, um, you know, the students and the, the um, the community members, they would just create such beautiful connections and build trust. And um, they really did need, I think, that that student to help them kind of come out of their their shell almost in a in you know vocally you know for them to to be involved in a program like this and it was such a beautiful thing um to hear uh, and to see
1: it ha- also has to start right when the person's diagnosed that there are you know these things there could be these things available to the person that they could b- become um, involved with and and um you know whether that's i mean uh, uh, you know, that's sort of hard thing to do because, you know, but at least in big major um, teaching hospitals, they would be able to, in the department of neurology, when the person's diagnosed, you know, maybe head them in a, head them to the Alzheimer's Society who can put them, steer them somewhere. And I mean, have a central information somehow. Yeah. I don't know. So we yeah. talked about kind of that
0: one way where there's not a lot of People who are engaging with the programs. But do you see it the other way as well, where there's not enough programs for people to engage in?
1: Well, maybe there aren't now be- just because things haven't ramped up after COVID. Uh, we're not, we're still, as people with dementia, we do not have in person support groups anymore, although the care partners have in person support groups, but I don't know how that works. But anyway, it, uh... You know, I think we need to getting back to being together again, face to face rather than on on Zoom. Yeah.
2: I think you're you're right. I I think some of it is that things have been slow or they, they drop back during COVID and they're not being revisited. I think there's definitely when we think about the numbers of people who are living at home with dementia, there is not enough. And it is both programs, activities, ways to engage that are really quite uniquely tailored for people with with dementia. And then there's also the question about all the different kinds of programs and activities uh, that happen in the community um, that are for everyone, but gradually become more challenging for people with dementia. So what can we do to make them more inclusive? How Mm -hmm. can an exercise class um, be supportive for someone with dementia. How can the different members of that group and the leader of that group have the knowledge, have the awareness, the knowledge, and the confidence to keep someone connected in that group so they don't drop away? Why is it important to
0: get people living with dementia involved as advocates in programming? But then, why is it important for the communities to be? you know to be more thoughtful about their programs and
2: including people with dementia what are what are those benefits i would say it's important because we know that people have a right to be a part of their community you know for me it, it isn't just about being nice to people who unfortunately have been diagnosed with dementia it isn't just about being nice or kind or caring people have a right so i think this work is important for that reason. Do you have other thoughts?
1: Lynn? Well, I think, you know, as a person diagnosed with dementia, uh, I think, you know, to be involved with different um, groups and to be able to help them and feel needed is, is, is a good thing because that helps me. It it helps them because, you know, whatever, whatever I'm helping with them with helps them. But if, Ultimately helps me to um, keep talking, keep active socially, and uh, that's a good thing.
2: I've done research with people with dementia for a long time, and I, I started using more traditional kind of methods: um, interviewing people, spending time, observing, and I would write about what I understood they were trying to tell me. So there was a story. I have learned far more. By working beside people, Um, it has been, I hope, humbling. I feel humbled. I've learned so much. I have learned from the people who are very articulate and who have, over many years, gained the confidence to say their piece. And I have learned from people who are quiet and who listen and who offer kind of gentle feedback, I would say. I've just learned that with the diversity of people that we're working with, we're learning something important from everyone and from this group, Like that, that the power of, of a group of people is quite something. I think we understand people's needs in a different way. Working with people with dementia has helped me prioritize as a researcher. What is it that I need to do? It's not just about my curiosity and trying to explain so we can all understand something better. helps me understand what's important. Thanks for listening in
0: to the first episode of this two-part series. In the second episode, the conversation about the Building Capacity Project will continue with Andrea Montero. She is the Community Research Coordinator for the Building Capacity Project in British Columbia. I hope you listen in. Thanks also to the Center for Education and Research on Aging and Health at Lakehead University, our institutional partner, and to the Public Health Agency of Canada for its financial support. We can deliver our episodes to your inbox if you write to us at dementia.dialogue at lakeheadu.ca. Previous episodes can be found at www.dementiadialogue.ca. Please follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. My name is David Harvey.